I, I, anytime I struggle with understanding how God's perceiving things, I always default to this. He's smarter than I am. He knows more. He sees more. All those things. So we, we need to default to that and to his word. Well, again, Happy New Year, everyone. We're here in this new year. I love New Year's. They're all filled with anticipation, excitement, and opportunities, and possibilities, and all those things. Again, as I mentioned earlier, one of my tough things is, is I, I want to do it all, you know, the first week of the year. You know, set a goal. You know, need to lose 20 pounds. Okay, let's get that done by tomorrow. Let's move on to the next thing. You know, all those kind of things. Uh, and so we've got to pace. We've got to stay in pace and develop habits uh, in our lives. And, and one of the most important things is develop spiritual habits. Uh, spiritual habits are, are just critical to our transformation because we get transformed as the word of God. We start practicing learning the word and putting the word of God into practice and our prayer lives and all those things. And, and everybody fails at that stuff at times, but just pick yourself up, dust yourself off and go on. It's, it's better to pick up and go on than to just give up and give in. So uh, the word of God's always teaching and training. I, said, I read a story about this, this, uh, this little town that all the inhabitants were ducks. And every Sunday morning, all those ducks would waddle out of their homes and they would waddle down Main Street and they'd waddle to the church and they'd waddle to their pew and they'd take a seat. And pretty soon, the duck choir would come in and they would waddle themselves to the choir loft and they would sing some songs. And when that was done, the pastor would waddle himself up behind the podium and he would open up his little duck Bible and he'd begin to preach to a church packed full of ducks. And he would tell the ducks, he would say, ducks, I want to tell you what God's word says. God's word says you got wings. You have wings, ducks. You can fly. You can soar like an eagle. There is no wall that can hold you back. There is no fence that can fence you in. You can flap those wings and fly. And literally the sky is the limit. And the ducks would amen him. And they would close with a little duck prayer. And then all the ducks would waddle back to their homes, sit down in their living rooms and watch a little TV. I thought, wow, guilty. Folks, they were just told they could soar. They could fly. But if we're told we're going to soar, we're going to fly, we might have to flap our wings. We might have to get past waddling <laughs> and actually flap our wings. And when, The little church I was raised in, I remember Gladys Emery, one of the saints in the church, we'd have a prayer time, and Gladys would say this. She'd say, we've prayed about it. Now let's put legs to it. And I think, hmm, there's a lot of wisdom in that. I think she probably stole that from James. James in the Bible, the brother of Jesus, said, faith is great. I'm all for faith. You say you got faith? I got faith too. But if you got faith, I want to see your faith by what you do. Because we're all, it's all easy for me and you to make great proclamations and then waddle ourselves to the living room and just watch TV when we were meant to soar. We were meant to fly. And the new year kind of gives us that anticipation. You know, maybe this the year I'll fly. Maybe this year I'll soar. Well, let's flap our little duck wings then and, and get, get going because ducks really can fly. And as I look at the new year and all those possibilities, I, I sometimes think, what, what keeps us from 
reaching those things. But I do want you to notice, we live in a broken world who is not telling you you can fly. They're not encouraging you in your walk with the Lord. In fact, some people are gracious that you're a Christian, and some are downright ornery and mean about you being a Christian. But we have opportunities in God that those outside of God do not have. Now, I want to make this plain. I think as Brother Larry Schreier said this about several things when it came to spirituality, somebody might come and say, well, you're a Christian, you think you're better than I am. I liked his line. He said, I'm not better than you are, but I'm better off than you are. I thought, hmm, that's good. So if you're here today and you're saying, I'm not a believer, are you saying you're better than me? I'm not better than you, but I'm better off than you are. And the good news is this, it's an all-open invitation club. You know, everyone is welcome in. Everyone. You don't have to walk out here today and say, I wasn't invited in. Oh, you were invited in. Jesus invites everyone in. And so, as I think about this new year and all the possibilities that lie ahead, I think about, in Numbers 13, the, the children of Israel, the Hebrews, the Jews, they're all interchangeable words, the Israelites, they have just been delivered from the most powerful kingdom on planet Earth. And they were delivered, not by their own strength, but by the strength of the Lord. And God actually deals, there's ten plagues, and God actually deals with every major false god that Egypt worshipped. And so God's moving them out of Egypt into the promised land, which, by the way, is not heaven. We sometimes sing songs and write songs about it, but the promised land was actually a physical place on earth, and and, uh, it's not heaven, but we make correlations between the two. And these Hebrews had a solid word from God. They had a solid word from God. Here was the word. I am taking you into a promised land. A land of milk and honey. A land where you will get to enjoy the fruit of vineyards that you never planted. You'll get to live in a home you never built. You'll enjoy cities you never constructed. It is truly a land that flows with milk and honey. And I am going to go before you and I'm going to drive out the inhabitants and and you're going to have victory as you move into this promised land. That was the word of the Lord. No compromising, that was the word of the Lord. Well, if you follow the story in Numbers 13, we're not going to read it today. I just want to plant this seed as we move forward. In Numbers 13, the Lord instructs Moses to get a spy, a leader from every tribe. There's 12 tribes, by the way. And there's going to be a leader from every tribe. And they're supposed to go in to the promised land, the land of Canaan, and they are to spy out the land. They are to get a lay of the land, where the people are, the cities, what it's like, and all of this. Now, they go past their duties because they were not called to go into the land to see if they were able to possess the land. They already had that word from the Lord. You are more than able, not in yourselves, but I'm going to go before you. So they had that promise. So 12 spies go in. You might be familiar with the story. Sometimes we get familiar with it, and, and I think, well, nobody needs to hear about that again, but it's, it's a great story to be reminded of all the time. So these 12 spies go into the land, and they come back, And they're all in 100% agreement. This land is better than we even dreamed it was. In fact, they said, this is the the flow of what's happening. We even brought back produce from the land because we knew you would say when we told you how good the land was that we're exaggerating. 
So we actually brought back samples of what's out there. And it truly is a land that flows with milk and honey and is blessed beyond belief. And Joshua and Caleb rose up and said, let's go in at once and possess the land. But the ten spies went further than they were supposed to go, and they said, time out. We are not able to possess that land. There's giants in the land. There's fortified cities in the land. There's one city that their walls are so thick that people build homes inside the thick fortified walls. We cannot possess this land. Joshua and Caleb said, we're more than able to possess the land. For it's not us who's possessing it, it's God who's going before us. But the information of the ten spies discouraged the people, and they did not possess the land. Now, eventually the land was possessed, and guess what? Only two people that were there on that day got to go in to that land. Do you remember who those two people were? Joshua and Caleb, the two who said, we are more than able to go up and possess the land. And there's something interesting, because in this new year, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't have a crystal ball. We're not fortune tellers. Don't want to be. We, we don't know what's going to happen, but we got promises from God. And so we hold on to those promises. And quite frankly, I think if we really logically thought it all the way through, we wouldn't even want to know what was going to happen in the year. And sometimes information, like with the Israelites, it did not increase their faith. It froze their faith and turned it into fear and doubt and unbelief. But we have something better. We have God and the promises of God. He's always with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Now, our assignment is to believe God, to trust God. Now, I know that's easier said than done because our beliefs and our faith is assaulted by a broken, sin-sick world around us who doesn't love the Lord by, for the most part. And there's even, I want you to know this, this is... The scripture, not something, I'm not prophesying the end of the world. The end of the world will come in its own time. But there, did you know the New Testament says there are already many antichrists among us? You probably work around some. You probably got some in your neighborhood. You got some at school. You know, they're antichrists. It just means they are anti-Jesus. They don't want to have anything to do with Jesus, anything to do with God. There are many antichrists. Not the one antichrist but of Revelation, but there are antichrists. So we have to latch on and lock into God and his word and his promises as, as the word of God outlines it. We have to trust him beyond circumstances. And, and like I said, it's easier said than done, but it is capable, we're capable, because although I, don't, I believe we overshoot this promise from God, it works for this. All things are possible to him who believes. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so when it comes to holding on to God's word and trusting him in spite of circumstances and the naysayers of the world, we can do that. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that. Well, th this week I had my outline for today's message. And then I woke up preaching a different message in a dream. And I thought, God, you actually did speak to a lot of people in dreams. And so... And as I thought about the topic, I thought, it's a really great New Year's topic anyway. So I thought, this could be you. And so now if I get to the end of the message and you say, don't blame that on God, okay, I get that, but it could be the Lord. And it's a great topic we're going to look at. It kind of reminds me of 
of a true story of a gospel singer who's very, very talented. And he, with a right heart, he wanted to deflect praise off of himself. And uh, he said one day, he just finished a concert, and somebody came up to him and said, man, your voice is phenomenal. That was so good. I loved it so much. And he said, hey, it wasn't me, it was God. And the guy looked at him and said, wasn't that good? And I thought, that makes sense. If it was really God, it'd be out of this world good. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that good. So maybe that's going to be my message today. What we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about favor. 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 I thought, well, we ought to define favor, so this is just a dictionary definition for favor. As a noun, favor is defined as friendly regard shown towards another, especially by a superior. Well, we have a superior in the Lord, and he has, he regards us in a special way. Uh, Second is positive consideration or attention. Now, you did catch the word positive. We don't want negative consideration or attention. Favor is having positive consideration or attention. As a verb, it means to show partiality towards someone. To show partiality towards someone. Oh, my goodness, I've looked for this commercial. This This is a sign that the commercial was catchy, but it didn't do its job because the commercial is supposed to help you remember the product. And I cannot remember the product. So it makes it hard to find the commercial. But there's an executive. He looks like he's the main CEO or president of a major company. And out in front of him have been two people that he has been interviewing for a high-end position in the company, a guy and a gal. And so he tells him, hey, I've made my decision. He looks at the young lady and says, you have the job. She pops up out of her seat and says, thank you, Daddy. And I thought, okay, there you go. Some partiality shown there. That's okay. We got a father. And so we can pop out of the seat and say, I picked you. We can pop out and go, thanks, Dad. You know, thanks. We're in the family. To show partiality towards someone. To afford advantages for success. These are all just a dictionary definition of what favor is. And so the verse that I went through in the dream was in Luke chapter 4. And by the way, I'm not trying to over-spiritualize that. It just made me think, hey, let's look at Luke 4. Luke 4, 16 through 21, he, Jesus, went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Now, I want to stop there for a little side note. Jesus was in the habit of going to church. It was his custom. It was his pattern. It was his habit to go to church. So when we say, well, I don't think I need to go to church. Well, Jesus went to church. Now, I love the other one because it sounds so intelligent that we really don't know what to say with it. People say, well, you know what? I'm really not into organized religion. Jesus was. Jesus showed up to church every week. And so I encourage people to be in church. So he went to the synagogue, which was his custom, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Now, I want you to notice, Isaiah wrote these words under inspiration of the Holy Spirit 700 years before Jesus was born. And he says this. He's reading out of Isaiah. Jesus is reading. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. Jesus called the Christ. Christ means the anointed one. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me, and here's what he's anointed him to do, 
to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know, I, and I know I say this a lot, but I want to make it clear that I think how we live is, is very important. I don't think it earns us our salvation, but I think it reveals us being saved. And so I think our, the way we live is very important. And just one day, and I shared it in a message not long ago, I'm reading in Deuteronomy chapter 8, which is a passage I love and have taught on many times, but I realize the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, it says, if you're careful to do everything I have commanded you, then you'll have these blessings. Do I think we should do the commands of the Lord? Absolutely. Please don't mishear what I'm saying. But I love our new covenant. As they went to Jesus and they said, what works must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus said, here's the work God requires. To believe in the one he has sent. Wow, I like that so much better than Deuteronomy 8. Do I want to do good? Absolutely. But isn't that the beauty of our covenant in Christ? To believe in Jesus. To believe in the one he has sent. And I do believe that belief works its way out in behavior. Absolutely. When somebody tells me they love Jesus and he's everything to them and I'm a believer and there's nothing working out in their life that reveals Jesus, hey, I'm not the final answer, but I'm saying there seems to be a problem there because something should change. Now, maybe something minute at first. It may take somebody years to keep gaining momentum. That's okay. Uh, There should be some kind of forward momentum. And when we look at all these things, they're all good. Do you notice that they're all good? There's nothing in here like the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to slap you all in line, you know, to show you where all you're wrong, to pour out my wrath upon you. No, it's none of that. It's all great stuff. And then... In verse 20, it says, Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. He sat down. And it says, All the eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him. They were like, Our preachers usually talk longer than this. What's he up to? What's he doing? And uh, he said, He said, Today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. Wow, this day, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And I was pondering that this week. I said, think about this. 700 years ago, the Holy Spirit gave those verses to Isaiah, and he put pen to paper, or probably more like quill to papyrus or something. He put, he put those words down. 700 years those verses just lay in waiting. They're just dormant there. They're lying there. They're encouraging. They're, they're nice. But there was one day where Jesus read those words. And he said, I'm the fulfillment of those words. And it's happening right now. It's happening in your midst right now. And so when we look at these, I want us to think about how life-changing these promises can be. 
See, we, we all want a magnificent new year, I think. We, we all want the new year to be wonderful. But like I said, we're not fortune tellers. We can't see what's going to happen. But we have a God who sees. We have a God who knows. We have a God that even through thick or thin never leaves us nor forsakes us. We have a God who's near to the brokenhearted and rescues those who are crushed in spirit. What a great God. Because this world, the devil, does want to crush you. I'm reminded and somewhat troubled when Jesus goes to Peter and says, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Now, it's interesting because I think Jesus' prayer, or what he should have told Peter, this is just me, is, I told Satan, back off, you can't touch him. But he didn't say that. He said, but I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith may be strong. How about praying that Satan can't touch me? But he says, I pray that your faith can be strong. Why? Because the righteous live by faith. It's the life we live. And so this world, that, this word that has laid dormant for years, our Savior, our King Jesus, steps on the scene and says, it's, it's now fulfilled. We don't have to wait any longer. It's fulfilled. So I want us to look at these blessings of Jesus as we move into a new year. These are the things that Jesus said, I've been anointed to proclaim these things. I've been anointed to fulfill these things. I've been anointed to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, it wasn't just poor economically. There's always more poor people economically than, than the rich and affluent. But it was those who are poor in spirit. We see that in Revelation. They said, even to the rich people, he said, you think that you have everything. But he said, you're poor, you're naked, you're wretched, you're blind. Because it's a spiritual condition. He's proclaiming good news to the poor. Freedom for the prisoners. Recovery of sight for the blind. He's come to set the oppressed free, and he's come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I believe all of us should be walking in favor. Now, it doesn't mean that everything's always perfect, but there should be favor on our lives. When we look at our lives, we say, to the glory of God, not to ourselves. I, I really want I'm not trying to be humble here. I'm just telling you the truth. It's Jesus. It's not that, wow, Tracy and Darling do everything so perfect. You know, of course they have favor. No, it's the favor. Favor comes from Jesus, from what he said right here. Do we want to live right? Of course. I think I make that point enough. Absolutely. But ultimately, everything comes from this finished work of Jesus in our lives. And if you're a believer, you have the finished work of Jesus. So, you should have these blessings and this favor going on in your life. It, it, in so many things, I could tell story after story after story after story after story after story. Darlene and I and many of you, if not all of you, could tell stories too where God's favor just rested upon you. When you shouldn't have had it, you had it. And not like the favor that I heard this Christian guy say. He's really been watching his eating for a, a long time. And he drove by a um, Krispy Kreme. And I guess it has a sign, like if the donuts are fresh, the sign goes up and says fresh or hot or something. He saw that. And so he, he asked the Lord, he said, hey, if it's okay for me to have one of those donuts, just allow a parking place to open up right in front of the store. And he said, 
He said, believe it or not, praise God, on my 11th time around, uh, there was a slot right there in the front. And so I, <laughs> the favor of God only took me 11 trips, but not that kind of favor. I mean, real honest favor on our lives where we just look and say, wow, but for God, that would not have happened. But for God. Will that be all the time nonstop? Probably not. I do want you to know this, and I'm not trying to be negative about the Word of God, because I love the Word of God, but there are some things in the Word of God that are just how life works naturally in most situations. I'll give you for instance. If you look at Proverbs, Proverbs is full of wisdom of how life works in most situations, and it'll give you good advice. Well, there's one that says, a kind word turns away wrath, and I want to tell you, nine out of ten times, that's true. But there'll be that one time you'll say something like, I'm so sorry, I can't believe I said what I said. Then somebody will blast you and you'll think, I thought a kind word turned away wrath. Well, it does most times. So it's not always that everything works out perfect. But I'll tell you, our life begins to be lived on a level of favor that it wasn't lived on before. And we find that in the Lord. And we should live this, this type of blessed life should be our norm. So as we're starting off a brand new year, this is January 1st, as we're starting out a brand new year, Let's just start allowing the favor of God, a promise from Jesus, the anointing is upon me to proclaim these things. In fact, receive all of them, but my topic today is, is favor. So I want to look about how to live in favor. I believe as Christians, we can create atmospheres for stuff. As, as we come into worship, I, I truly mean this, if you come ready the higher percentage of people that walk in these doors, prayed up, ready, right spirit, you know, all that, the, the more just really a sense of connection to God happens in, in the house. And you say, well, I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, y'all, if y'all watch garbage on TV till three in the morning and you got up, you know, late and y'all cussed each other on the way to church and then you go in, you look down, you got one black shoe on, one brown shoe, you know, it's just, I mean, you go, man, I wonder why the Spirit of God wasn't really moving today in the place, because we carry Jesus with us. We're carriers of his presence, and so I encourage you always, every day of your life, and as we come to the house of the Lord, be prepared. So here's, here's some information on how to live in favor. Change your information source, number one. Change your information source. Too, too many of us, I've done it at times, probably all, all of us here have done it at times, where we're getting information from the world. I see a lot of that in the political realm. And whether you're conservative or liberal uh, in your political leanings, you will feed that with who all you listen to. And I can tell you, I, I've heard lots of stuff on both sides that say neither one of them is Jesus. Neither one of them is the Spirit of Christ. Neither one of them. And we need to be very careful. And so I ask the question, what are you watching? What are you watching? The second thing, who are you listening to? I had this conversation again with somebody this week, and I'm not opposed to this person. He has a lot of wisdom in lots of areas. Uh, and he has a podcast that's listened to by millions and millions of people every week. And I suppose a lot of them are Christians, which I'm not telling you not to listen to the guy, but here's one thing I want to say. He, he's an agnostic, which means this. I don't know if there's a God or not. Now, I'm not trying to be hateful or mean if you're an agnostic here today, 
but I, I believe this, all of creation cries out, there's a creator. And so, and I, I know this sounds worse than where my heart is, but I say to myself, if you can't even find God, I don't want you to be a major influence in my life. You can't even look up at a starry sky and go, oh my goodness, Lord God, you're, you're awesome. You look up at a starry sky and go, wonder how that got there. Not sure. Wow. So be very careful who you're listening to. I, I and it doesn't happen hardly often here at all, so I, I salute you for this, but it happens in my life outside the church realm, is people have these crazy, weirdest, uh, bizarre ideas about God or Christianity or stuff by some YouTube video they watched by some psycho, and I'm going, oh my goodness, I feel like I have to, you know, spend three days unraveling, you know, as they, what about this, what about that, nothing. All because they gave their ear and their mind and their heart to somebody who doesn't even know God. I stumbled across something the other day, and I mentioned it a few messages ago, and he was mocking the Bible, and I thought, boy, you could be better at it than that. I mean, he said, the Bible's so dumb. He said, read the Genesis. They, they don't even know how to write their own scriptures. You read Genesis, and there's daylight and light before God made the moon and the stars and the sun. Oh, my goodness, if you're going to make up a book, at least create the sun, moon, star. And I said, that's because you don't even know our God. Our God lives in unapproachable light. Jesus, Jesus, we won't even need the sun or moon or stars. It says he'll light up heaven. He lights up the earth. Now, I believe we'll have the sun and moon and stars. That's just my opinion. But it won't be necessary. There's like four specific things it describes God as. And one of them is God is light. So I thought, here's it. Now, there's some Christian there listening to that going, wow. I don't know if I could trust the Bible now. Well, you're listening to the wrong people. You, you don't know the Bible. You know where cults get their, their main influx of members? From churched folk who don't know their Bible. Because they say something that's got a little mixture of Bible in it, and they go, well, that is right here in the Bible. I've told this one before, but it fits the story today. I'm over at somebody's house one time. I'm a teenager. I might have been 20 at the time. And they get this little mail, or this is before they got, you could get 7,000 emails a day peddling something. They get this little flyer, and they read it, and it, it says, purchase this incense. And if you will burn this incense while you pray, God will answer your prayers. Because the scripture says our prayers are like a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. And they read that, and they go, wow, that, the Bible does say that. I love the Bible does say, yeah, but it doesn't say anything about the incense they're peddling. It was just a way to, and they were like, I'm going to spend this $15 for three cents of incense uh, to get my prayers answered. That's not how prayers get answered. These are people who were Christians who were biblically illiterate. Let's not, I know we're all growing, but let's, let's grow. Let's, let's learn the scripture. So when we church folks are the biggest feeder to cults because we don't know the Bible, then we ought to learn the Bible. So what are you watching? Who are you listening to? What are you reading? I'm not afraid to read a secular book that has meaning. I'm not going to read some secular book on the New Age or, you know, whatever. In fact, one of the, one of the most prominent New Age writers for the last 20 years, uh, guess what she fooled around did? 
She gave her life to Jesus this year. Now she goes around and travels trying to tell people to forget everything she taught for the last 20 years. So what are you reading? Okay, so that's a big focus for us. What are we watching? Who are we listening to? What are we reading? Second thing, and this just helps create an atmosphere of favor because we start understanding, oh, this is how God works. Oh, this is what the Lord says. Oh, this is, and you start understanding how God maneuvers. The second thing is what's coming out of your mouth. What, what are you saying? Remember what 10 of the spies said? Oh, God's word was true, but we can't. It really does flow with milk and honey, but we're not able. There's giants, there's walled cities, there's, there's fortified fortresses, there's soldiers everywhere. We can't, we can't, we can't, we can't. What's coming out of your mouth? We need to start saying, you know what? We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. By the way, I think we do take that too far. I mean, I, you know, in the Super Bowl, there'll be people on both sides saying we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And, uh, okay, well, say that if you want to, but I do believe it applies to this. Holding on to the word of God, I can do that. Christ can give me the strength to do it. I can speak the word. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. Those who love what they speak, they'll eat the fruit of it. And it'll be good. And so watch what comes out of your mouth. And I'm telling you, I do this, I watch it, and it's amazing how you can default to negativity and doubt and unbelief. So you just got to stop it every time. Say, no, that's not, uh uh-uh. And I'm not superstitious. If I say something full of doubt and unbelief, I'll say, I'm ruined now. I'm not ruined now. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm not ruined. I just say, hey, that was a dumb thing to say. I'm going to say the word of God. I'm going to speak the word of God. So what's coming out of your mouth? Speak life. Speak wholesomeness. Speak good things. We just prayed over our kids. What are we going to say this week? Yeah, that's what we're going to say, good things. Or we'll go, wow. And I'm not prophesying this. It's just percentage-wise. One of you just really believe God for your kids, and you're going to get a call from them. They're going to talk about how awful God is and how they hate him. And it's easy to hang up the phone and go, they're never going to. No, just hang up the phone and laugh. Say, devil, ha, ha. <laughs> the, the scripture says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. He laughs. The devil, just laugh and say, hey, you know what? Great is the peace of my children. They're going to love God passionately, and, and uh, I'm not going to have a bad day. You ever had a bad day over a phone call? Turns from bad day into bad week, a bad month. You know, don't let it happen. Just know, I'm going to speak life. What's coming out of your mouth? How do you see yourself? Are you just a good-for-nothing worm that God barely can stand? Or are you the righteousness of God in Christ? Are you a child of God? Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. The children of God. Yeah, but Tracy, I was so awful yesterday in my behavior. Okay, I'm not encouraging that, but guess what? You're a child of God. I've got three kids, and I promise you this. There were days where their behavior was awful. Guess what? Still loved them. Still would take a bullet for them. Didn't kick them out of the family. Still always spoke life over them and hope over them. And, and you're the best, you're the greatest, I, I love you. You know, I, I see all that God wants to do and you. You know, that's okay. So God is much more loving than we are. And so put that bad day behind you. Don't waste a day, a second day worrying about it. Repent, move on, go after God. And just know you're his child.
So how do you see yourself? As a loser, somebody who's never going to make it, I don't have what it takes. I mean, every one of us could come up with that stuff. By the way, I, you could say this sounds like a self-help message. Well, it will help yourself if you do these things. And I found out that any good self-help book out there, the idea got stolen from God. It got stolen from the Word. And the Word says we need to watch what comes out of your mouth. What comes out of our mouth. Do, this is scripture. Do not permit any unwholesome communication to come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up that it may minister to their needs. Three specific things, all about being a blessing. So we watch what comes out of our mouth. Here's a tough one. How do you treat others? Jesus was a master at treating people well. Even when he was harsh, it was because he loved people. The city that was going to crucify him, he stopped on his triumphal entry and wept over the city and said, oh my, how I've longed to gather you under my wings as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. And so watch what comes out of your mouth. So this year, let's spend some time improving on these areas. Changing our information source. Watching what's coming out of our mouth. How we see ourselves. How we treat others. This is just good, healthy Christianity, which will help us then create an atmosphere of favor around us. Favor. And I'll tell you, anytime something good happens, I blame God. And I've had people say, well... Tracy, you know, some atheist today got that, but probably did. You know why that atheist got that? Because our God's good. Well, I don't know. No, that's the Bible. The Bible says that he shows his goodness and kindness to those who don't even love him and know him. That his goodness and kindness might turn them towards repentance. God says he causes the sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous and the rain to fall on the just and unjust. And by the way, the rain's not negative. So many people hear that negative. Rain's a gift from God. It, we need sunshine and rain for harvest, and this is an agricultural community. And God was saying, so if the atheist got a blessing, it's because our God is so good. Our God is so good. So good. So this year, as we move into this new, new year, let's start watching. Where are we getting our information from? What's coming out of our mouth? How do we see ourselves? How do we treat others? Really, those last three, what's coming out of your mouth, how do you see yourself, and how you treat others, will probably be connected real strongly to your information source, how, what you're fitting and putting into your mind. 